Welcome to So You Can Heal. I'm Abby Parker, a licensed mental health counselor and therapist at Still Point Consultants. And I'm Josh. I'm a licensed social worker and a therapist at Still Point Consultants as well. So Josh and I were inspired by a letter that we heard by Esther Perel on rituals and routine. And we are excited to kind of dig into this idea of creating routines and rituals in your relationships and even in our relationships and see what we can discover today. Yeah. I mean, I love Esther Perel. Is it Esther or Esther Perel? I don't know, but it is E-S-T-H-E-R. And then Perel is P-E-R-E-L, if anyone wants to look her up. Yeah. She's done a lot of work with relationships, especially like infidelity. She has a couple books out. One is The State of Affairs, which is really good. And she also has TED Talks on it. And she also has another book that's called Mating in Captivity. I mean, I haven't read everything completely of hers, but in process. And but yeah, I just really enjoy all of her stuff. Yeah, and these letters that she puts out... Um in like virtual format. They are to help all of us create better relationships. And when she was talking about routine versus ritual, what I really liked is that the ritual that we create makes it special. Even if like the routine that we carry in relationships is, you know, for the purposes of knowing what to expect or organizing ourselves or just getting through our lives. Yeah, I like how she draws the distinction between the two and how rituals are very much that grounding, everyday, kind of predictable component of the relationship and how rituals are those pieces that we do to add that, I don't know, that specialness. Mm -hmm. And like in my brain, I see the ritual as kind of becoming the points in relationships when our routines are shared in a way that way we can start like sharing the story Mm -hmm. together and it brings a lot of excitement and newness and looking forward to things and I think it provides a lot of different components as well like it shows respect to the relationship it builds trust in the relationship And I mean, these can be romantic relationships, these can be friendships, these can be parent-child relationships. I mean, we're talking about all forms of relationships. So Abby, what type of routines do you have in your relationship or rituals? Well, Josh, I can honestly say we have tons of routines (laughs) because in a functioning family, we have Like, we want to know what to expect. And so we have routines in the morning, how we get up, do things, get ready, how we have routines throughout our day, checking in, how we have routines at night. And when I have to sit down and think about it, like, how do I make those special, like into rituals? There's lots of little things. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget those things. And so like rituals in our relationships, it could be anything from making sure we hug a certain way in the morning or give certain types of kisses 
to each other. It could be as simple as on certain days we make special breakfasts, like Kevin makes pancakes usually on Sundays for all of us, and Leo gets to request what shapes or figures or characters he wants, which, by the way, are very difficult to make. Kevin has created a empty ketchup bottle method to make the pancake shapes. And so if anyone wants to try it, you need to empty your ketchup bottle (laughs) and wash it really well and then add your pancake batter. And so we have like lots of little rituals built into our routines. One of my favorite ones, and I think Kevin would agree with this, is that every night, and we do our best to do it every night, but we sit down as a family, we read books, we sing songs, and we put Leo to bed. And so as a family, that's something that's become really special to us. It's really cool. In my brain, I'm like, ooh, what kind of shapes does he do? <laughs> well, this past uh, weekend was Easter-themed, hmm. even though it's not Easter yet. So we had bunny rabbits and eggs. We've also done uh, planets and aliens and spaceships. That's fun. Have you seen the videos on like Facebook or YouTube where they use like those ketchup bottles to do them in like their different colors so they're like actually doing an entire picture of pancakes? Oh no, I have not seen this. Yeah, I'll have to send you some. They're really cool. Okay. Maybe we'll have to do some four leaf clovers. <laughs> right. <laughs> For St. Patrick's Day. It's really fun. How about you? What kind of rituals do I have? Routine-wise, Brett's a very routine person, so when he wakes up to the time he goes to bed, I can pretty much tell you like exactly what he's going to be doing at when. <laughs> I knew I liked him. And I love the predictability of it. Like Anxiety, way down. So routines, we have kind of down like he gets home we brainstorm what's for dinner if we haven't done it through the day like oh we have this in the fridge so we need to make this and then like routines or rituals are I think our bedtime ritual is something because like we will like brush our teeth and like go through that process but it's also a time like where we're actually like just talking to each other or whatever and the ritual of when he comes home from work specifically is like that check-in like how was your day like what's going on like how are you feeling about everything about your day like how can I show up for you in a different way if you need something different. I mean, those are the main type of rituals. I mean, and for me, like, I cook every meal, essentially, unless I'm, like, in session or something in the evening, and then Brett gets to cook. So, like, the ritual of me actually preparing stuff for him, I I like because that's a way that I show appreciation and love and stuff to people it's by cooking so the ritual of actually preparing a meal and also the times when he will come in and help 
mean, I ask him to, but it's mm-hmm. that ritual of creating a space for both of us to kind of experience and share together. Like, yeah, I think cooking together is really fun. Yeah. One thing I like about cooking together or like when we're all preparing food together is like turning on music and setting the mood. And I mean, it could be anything. It could be anything from banjo music to Brazilian tango or classical chill. If anyone listens to Amazon, these are like all the Amazon music stations that we play. Or Leo's new favorite, anything by Monster Truck, which is a rock jam group. He just likes it because it's called Monster Truck. And so that's become a ritual that we have dance parties. It's really fun. I think it is interesting when our rituals get lost in our routine, though. Yeah. Because even in us, like, sitting here sharing these things together, I I had to think a little bit before I actually pulled out the ritual piece, like, what made it special, in order just to not see it as a routine. And so there is intention with it of how you do want to give to that person or the relationships and what that means to you or, and how you want to share in that meaning with the other person or people. Yeah, I can totally relate to the ritual being lost in the routine. And I hear some people talk about it in the concept of it gets taken for granted. Yeah. Like the things that we put in place that have meaning and significance, they kind of get lost in our the daily grind. And so that question of like why you do it becomes really important in order to integrate it into what you're actually doing. Like, why would we get up every weekend and make pancakes? Our way becomes like the joy that we get to see Leo have and the fun that we get to all have together. Right. And making up new shapes or seeing shapes fail or, you know, whatever the situation is. It's about allowing the experience of what you're doing to go beyond just like basic survival mode right because instead of like just eating you're actually getting to enjoy that time together yeah connecting mm-hmm. yeah i really like how Esther perel distinguishes between ritual and routine like routines provide grounding, like they build skills, they offer order and organization, like into the everyday life. So it's kind of that schedule that we kind of fall into, like, these are the things that we do to kind of help everything flow a little bit more easily, where rituals are meant to elevate the connection and elevate our experience of that potentially routine. It is driven by intention, so we're making the conscious choice to do something, be present with, and it provides meaning to not only ourselves, but to whatever it is that we're doing in some way, and in a sense, like how that translates into providing that shared experience and giving meaning to a relationship. Rituals tend to guide us. So they guide us into like deeper levels of connection. They guide us into 
a better and more comprehensive understanding of what we have, what we want, and what we're doing, I guess, in my kind of perception. And for me, like, I feel like rituals help guide us into that more intimate space. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that Esther Perel really talks about being important in ritual is how ritual provides a transition or how ritual is really important in transitional periods because Josh, before we talk about that, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that rituals thrive without routines? Do rituals thrive without routines? Like if someone doesn't have a shared routine, do you think that they are just as successful with rituals? Hmm. Like in my brain, like I go to like more of a spiritual kind of perception of it in this moment. If I am setting up and doing a ritual and don't have a practice or a routine that it's grounded in, I can still do the ritual. Sure. But there is, in a sense, something that I may be missing because I am not putting myself in that space more frequently. Okay. Got it. With relationships, I mean, and that's not always true. Sure. I mean, there are the times where we don't really practice and we do a ritual and we gain a lot of insight from it. I think it's, it can go both ways. With a relationship, regardless of dynamic or setup or whatever, like I do think that the routine helps us appreciate the ritual more. That makes sense. That the routine would help us appreciate the ritual more. And Josh, I agree. I agree that you can have rituals outside of routines. But for me, it ties back into what you were saying about how the rituals can help with transitions into a more intimate space. And I think if they're connected to routines, then you will see them more frequently or be more meaningful. Yeah. I mean, and beyond even like the intimacy and connection, like rituals can happen. I mean, obviously at the beginning of a relationship, at the end of a relationship, And I think that's what rituals kind of help set up anyway. Like they help reclaim a part of ourself that we get to share in some way with another or reclaim for ourselves for our own healing. I mean, and it's all for healing, really. But I do think that, especially in transition, like it is very cathartic to have some sort of ritual. I mean, in the video that Esther Perel has on YouTube. She talks about her friend who went through a breakup and the ritual that she had was about like end of relationship party and all of her people came, all her friends and loved ones and stuff. And rather than telling everyone individually, like, hey, we broke up, this is where I'm at, yada, yada, she did it to her whole party. And that transitional period for her of kind of navigating that, awkward, sad, isolating at times feeling and experience and time 
she turned into a ritual of where not only did she get to ex- to share her hurt, her experience of what's going on with her, but everyone else got to bring in and share like encouraging stories like, yep, been there, done that. Like, and now I'm here with a relationship or whatever. So I think that rituals can come in many shapes and sizes and forms. When we put a meaning to the routine, it becomes in some way a ritual. And so what I hear you talking about is intention in the routine. And I think it's interesting, like the concept of the breakup party, because in that intention to like grieve with other people or express openly or like whatever that is, it goes, it does go back to healing. And so it's not like rituals are only for like positive or like happy experiences. They're to truly process emotion, whether that be joy or grief. And I think rituals can be in all types of relationships, regardless of the dynamic or structure. You can be in a traditional monogamous relationship and experience it as we've been talking about, or you can be in an open relationship and share rituals. You can be in a long distance relationship and share rituals, family. I mean, so the relationship structure doesn't really matter, or even the distance between the people, like physical distance the ritual can still take place and can still impact and create meaning i mean and really like in my brain like the ritual is helping us create a shared story and i think even in our practice we share ritual and those i mean those are different relationships those are associate relationship friendship relationships partnership relationships and with all of those we have like special things that we do together and for each other whether that be sharing words of encouragement or letting everyone know something that has happened to us or being able to like share a quote or picture or resource and we support each other in that way or an area that I really feel like compelled to talk about, especially within the dynamics of a family is when parents go from a parent to a partner. So that transitional period of, is it opening a wine bottle that way? Mm -hmm. And it's not just about opening a wine bottle, but it's about that opening that wine bottle means that right now I don't have to be as responsible or Mm -hmm. that my only intention is to be present here with you right now because it's just us now. The kids are in bed or the kids are at school or whatever. Babysitter or playing on the cliff. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, but yeah. It's difficult to make those transitions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have any kids and I can't imagine. But I find that's where a lot of parents and partnerships struggle. Sure. One, I think it's interesting even to talk about the concept of having a shared routine as parents versus having a shared routine as partners. And it can look different, but a lot of people get confused that it is just the same. And so they might miss out on creating those rituals within the partnership 
if they don't have routines together as well. And some people might think differently. Some people um, might just have rituals within the partnership and that's enough for them. And that's okay. I'm curious how that would look. Well, I think you would see less experience of daily connection and more surprise. People might live more separately instead of together, even if they claim to be in a partnership. As you're talking, like I'm thinking, what is it that I encourage and invite couples to do more when they're in my office? Am I inviting them more to find a routine where Mm -hmm. they are engaging with one another? Or am I more encouraging of finding a ritual where they're able to have some type of shared connection, shared story, Mm -hmm. shared experience? And I think we do both. Sure. Because I think as therapists, we seek for people to experience that intimacy together. And whether that be within the partnership or between a child and a parent or between a person and a family member, whoever that is. And you do have to stretch as a person to show up in that way sometimes because it might be uncomfortable for you to participate in the, the routine in the way that it needs to happen in that moment or in the way that your partner's asking you to or in the way you are asking them to. And it's also that stretch of setting that intention to show how you want to care or have compassion for or be able to express your love for them. What is it that we mean when we are saying a shared story? To me, a shared story is having an understanding together of either what is happening, even if there's difference of opinions, or what you want to see happen and so whether that be emotionally what you're doing how you're thinking about things I find that there can be a lot of clarity in shared stories because you're understanding where you're coming from where the other person's coming from and then what you are doing together what about you what shared story for you I mean I think it's pretty similar like I find it to be the collection of yours, mine, and ours, whether that's emotion, thought, experience, or whatever. And it gives an opportunity and a memory of connection. So I think it's those moments where we're able to come together and in some way connect. And I think especially the ritual does that. The ritual provides opportunity for more of a shared story. Because in routine, you're functioning to a certain extent. Well, you're either functioning or you're not functioning. (laughs) Or you're functioning in your own way and that person's functioning in their own way. But in that ritual, there are those touch points where you get to come together. Where you're seen, you're validated, you're heard. Where you're giving that to someone else. And I think sometimes it can be hard. To do that. Oh, absolutely. And I think sometimes what keeps us from having those experiences of a shared story is like the assumption, the projection, the components of our own wounding kind of standing in the way mm-hmm. and building barriers. I would almost see in 
that way the ritual is becoming a weapon. And what I mean by that is we are either pushing something upon someone else for our own gain, or we are keeping it hidden in order to, like, to attempt to keep it safe. And so we don't share it. And it as the ritual? Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Like if we took the concept of giving each other hugs and that was part of saying good morning or hello or even goodbye. And so the ritual is like to embrace and give that hug. And so if you're in your own way, you might dismiss giving the hug. You might hold back. You might find busyness in the routine instead of taking that space and giving the hug. Or I would see the weaponry externally is you make sure you give that hug and you give it in a way that demonstrates that you're the only one giving that hug and to make a point that the other person didn't give the hug. And so it moves out of ritual into that story of assuming that you don't want to give it or you don't want to get it. It's a very defensive way of engaging in the ritual which no longer makes it ritual. And if we can notice, it's also the personal story. It's the story we tell ourselves and the assumptions that we hang on to that would tell us that we need to hide it or we either need to throw it at someone else. And I would add that if you find yourself in that space, then you first have to come to yourself and prepare to go to your partner or the relationship in order to truly listen instead of acting out within what you want to be the ritual, but it doesn't feel like the ritual. (laughs) Don't kill me, but what do you mean? Like, if I were upset with someone and I didn't want to give the hug, I would have to first have a conversation with myself. I'd have to sit with my own feelings. Again, it's, it's more of an intention with myself of figuring out, well, like, where did that come from? Why is that? What is really going on with me? Does it have anything to do with the relationship? Like, what is it that is tugging at my heart? And if I don't give the hug, then I also can prepare myself to go to that relationship and acknowledging that I didn't, like, I didn't give. And if my partner's open to having that conversation with me, whether it be about me or whether it be about the, like, the space that we're taking care of between the two of us, that I'm going into that space to listen. I'm not going into that space to dictate or tell or demand or pretend. That makes sense. So how can we start building rituals into our relationships or just rituals in general in our lives? I think one of the easiest ways is to do very, very small things, like very simple things that would allow the other person to know that you care about them. So instead of doing nothing, you do something. One of the funniest ones I thought Esther gave in her talk was the concept of putting toothpaste on the other person's toothbrush. (laughs) Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) It's so silly and it's simple. Right. It's the act of letting the person know that you're thinking about them through your actions. Mm Mm-hmm. And willing to take the time to be present with them. And it doesn't have to be a lot. Yeah. I mean, and I guess for me, 
I mean, very similarly to what you had said. I think, I mean, kind of what I was saying, like it is about letting your partner know through your actions that you're thinking about them and that they're present with you, even if they're physically not present with you. Hmm. Or it is the idea of taking the time to be present with someone in a way that allows you to be the focus rather than the hustle and bustle of moving through everyday life. I mean, and that can be like long distance. Like for example, like she mentioned how if you're visiting, then it's leaving something special or giving something special. That way when you're back in your space, it's not you there alone, but it's you there with something that you left. So it is making an effort to make yourself known and present to the other person in some way and the value that they add to you and to your experience. Yeah. Yeah. Cherishing that value, I think, is really important. Yeah. And I also know that sometimes it's really hard for people to receive that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, Josh, I, I think that's a really important reminder for everyone is that in giving, like you truly are giving to that person, even if they don't know how to receive it, or even if you don't see the impact of like the reciprocation or the thanks or the gratitude. I think it's really important to remember that in giving, you truly are giving to that person. Yep. Just to end our episode today, I think we should have a little ritual of thanking our partners because they put up with our therapy stuff and they are okay with us talking to people on a podcast. And so Kevin, if you ever listen to this, thank you for being my partner. And Brett, if you ever listen to this, thank you for being my partner. I do the dishes. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I kid, I kid. Well, Abby, as always, thank you for being present in this moment with me. You're welcome. Sharing our ritual of creating a podcast. I know, right? We get to have a ritual together. Yeah. And as always, feel free to check out our website at www.stillpointshealing.com. You can check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Still Point Healing. And you can always email us here at the podcast with any questions at so you can heal at stillpointhealing.com. And a invitation to all those listening, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast because the more rates and reviews and subscriptions we have, the more present we can be for others to experience the So You Can Heal podcast and begin healing parts of their lives. So you get to be a part of others healing if you would just take a moment and rate and review us and subscribe. And if you already have, many blessings and thanks. And until next time, 
Bye. Bye.